Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. And verse 31. Luke 22 and 31. But before we begin, let me remind us all once again, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. God's Word is not just intellectually learned. We had the privilege yesterday of leading an individual to the Lord. Now, that's wonderful. He was in a hospital. And that's wonderful, isn't it? But the sad part about things was this. She sat in a particular church. I will not mention, I've learned not to do that. I've learned not to do that. And was just, you know, thrilled about what was happening, thrilled about her ministry and everything, and thank God for that. But you know what? One little, simple little question which is always inside me to ask people. That's wonderful. I'm glad. But let me ask you one question. Are you born again? And her response was this. I think so. When it comes to where we're going to spend our eternal destiny, I'm going to be a little bit more sure than that. What about you? I want to know. 1 John 5.13 says, This book was written that we may know that we have what? Eternal life. How many of you want to think that you're going to heaven when you depart from this realm of life? Is that satisfactory to you? How many of you want to know? But here's the point. Bible study. Teachings. But did not have assurance or certainty concerning her destiny. God's word is not just intellectually learned. It must be spiritually perceived and then applied to our lives. What good is it to learn about the things that are in the Bible if they're not applicable to our lives? And if we cannot apply the truths of God's word to our lives... We want to have reality with God. Our hearts must be open and receptive. The Holy Spirit must lead us and guide us into all the truth. Jesus said explicitly, this is why He's coming. He is going to come, yes, to convince or convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But to the believer, He is going to come. He is going to guide you into all truth, speak to you what He hears of the Father, and reveal to you in full detail future events. And do you know what? We need to avail ourselves to His ministry. Because the natural man does not discern or recognize or understand the things that pertain to the Spirit of God. They are spiritually discerned. They are not intellectually learned. We must open up our hearts, we must open up our spirits, and we must invite the Spirit of the living God to reveal to our hearts the deep, rich treasures of the Word. Otherwise, it just becomes head knowledge, and we have facts of knowledge up here, 
that we don't act upon. They remain detached from our lives. We want reality. We want to decrease. We want God to increase. And how does He increase within us? By His Word. As His Word is quickened within our lives, it becomes a reality within our lives. It affects our character, our conduct, our lifestyle. It changes us. We are changed from glory unto glory. We should look more like Jesus this year than we did last year. God doesn't change. We are changing. We should look more like Him every single year. Amen? Another year that goes by, we look more like Jesus. Another year that goes by, we look more like Jesus. Thank God that means the, old, the outward man, this, this man is in the flesh of the flesh. He is diminishing. And Jesus on the inside is increasing within our lives. That's what it's all about. That's what this life is all about. That was the prize that Paul was, was aiming for. That's what he was wanting to achieve in his life. The prize of the high calling, the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus was what? That I'd be more like him. And found to be conformed to his image and also to his suffering. So that in me, you can see Jesus. That was his goal. That was his aim. That was his desire. His high aspiration. And you know what? He could leave this realm of life saying, I have finished my course. Thank God. We can also finish ours. Are you headed in the right direction, beloved? Or have we allowed things to distract us? Well, if we have, let's get rid of the roadblocks. Let's get rid of all the hindrances and let's pick up and go on with God. Can you say amen? amen? So, Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to unveil to us the deep, rich treasures of the Word, to quicken us according unto the Word. We invite you right now to unveil to our hearts all that is needful and necessary for us to know in reality, that we may decrease and that the Lord Jesus may increase within us and through our lives. We thank you for speaking to us what you hear of the Father. And we thank you also for showing us in full detail future events. Our hearts are receptive. Our minds are opened. Our ears are attentive. And as an act of our will, we will not be distracted. We will hear what thus saith the Lord. And we'll be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, we thank you, dear Father God. And I personally thank you for the anointing upon my lips to boldly proclaim the truth of your word and demonstration of the spirit of power. That our faith, dear Father God, would stand not in the wisdom of men or human philosophy, but in your holy power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First of all, let me review a few points that were made before we had our... Special healing services. You know, when we have the week of special healing service, we like to gear everything toward just healing. And so we want to get back to some of the statements that were made and then go a little bit further in some of the teachings. So let me review very quickly before we look at Luke 22 and 31. First of all, man was created in the likeness and image of God. And we all know that. But he was also given a place of authority upon the earth. We all know that. We know that he was given dominion over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, every fowl, the fish of the sea. And God expected man to exercise this authority to do what? To keep the garden, to protect it, to preserve it, to keep out anything and everything that violates the will of God. 
God's will was revealed right there in the garden. What a beautiful, beautiful place. No harm, no sickness, no disease, no injury, no calamity, nothing that would defile. No pollutants, nothing. Beautiful harmony, peace, no sickness, no devils, no demons, no kingdom of darkness. And all man had to do was to rule or to reign in the garden as God gave him authority and to keep everything out that was harmful to his own personal well-being. He wasn't to use carnal weapons. He was not going to use hand grenades. He was not going to call on nuclear weapons. What was he going to use to protect the garden? Let's put it this way. What was he going to use to protect himself in the garden? And mankind. And man's existence. And man's being. Man's personal survival. What was he going to use? Faith filled words. Because when the serpent came to beguile Eve and spoke words to her that distracted her from the word of the living God, she gave a course to her husband who was by her and he being by her could have said no. He could have used his God-given dominion and authority, his will to do what? To preserve life. But he didn't. He didn't use faith-filled words and his God-given authority to keep out the kingdom of darkness. And he turned everything over to the devil and his bunch. Darkness came into this realm of life. The Bible says sin entered into the world by one man's disobedience and death by sin. And, of course, sickness and disease, incipient death and all the other things. Upheaval came to every realm of life because man failed to do what? To use faith-filled words. He was distracted. Other words were injected into his thinking. He acted upon those words. Those words prevailed. And those words gave entrance to the kingdom of darkness and to the realm of life in which we live. Upheaval was the result in every realm of life. So Adam failed. But when Jesus came, who was called the second Adam, Jesus came and proved that God gave man that dominion and authority. He used faith-filled words to rule the fish of the sea. He used faith-filled words to dominate the forces and the laws of nature and the forces of evil. He used faith-filled words to overcome sickness and disease. He also used faith-filled words to overcome satanic temptation. There in the wilderness, look at the contrast, he was in a garden. Jesus is in a wilderness. And in that place, Satan came to him in a weakened state and condition physically to tempt him to do what? Not believe the word of God. For the voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And his voice came along saying, well, if thou be the son of God, if thou be the son of God, if you be the son of God. It's trying to get him to doubt who he is. If you are the son of God, well, then you can turn stone into bread. You're hungry. Do it. Perform. If you're the son of God. Trying to get him, of course through his subtlety, to act 
apart from the word and the will of the Father God. Trying to destroy God, to overcome the kingdom of God, to dethrone God by getting the Son of God to act upon His words. But Jesus wouldn't cooperate with Him. I want you to notice that Jesus set the pattern for all of us. We are to use faith-filled words to overcome even the forces of evil and satanic temptation. Jesus didn't have something special, something different than what we have. He used the word. He said, it is written. You know, all Adam had to say was, it was spoken. He could have stood right there and said, do you know what? It was spoken. He could have said, God Almighty gave me dominion and authority over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. And therefore, I exercise that authority over you. It was spoken. So now depart from this domain. You have no right to be here. That would have been the end of it all. Oh, would to God we could just, just begin to speculate a little bit. Can you imagine what it would be like? Can we imagine what human life would have been like here upon this earth without any death, any disease, any sin to contend with? We cannot go back there and imagine it because we're in a fallen state. Thank God our spirits have been recreated, but our thinking is certainly messed up and we need to have repair done to our mind, don't we? A lot of repairs done to our, our, our way of thinking. But the point being that where Adam fell, Jesus did not fail. He used faith-filled words to do what? To overcome this world system. To overcome sin and death, sickness and disease. He spoke words that did what? Cast out devils, calm the sea. He did. He overcame the law of supply and demand. Multiplying the food, the fishes and the, and the loaves with words. So Jesus then proved that God did give man dominion and he spoke words of authority. And as a result, of course, he paved the way for every one of us by redeeming us by his blood. Even speaking words that would speak of his death. Words are powerful. Powerful. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 22 and verse 31, I want you to notice something here. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. What's with this guy anyhow? He's desired to have Adam and Eve. He desired to have Jesus. Simon Peter, he hath desired to have you. And you know what? He desires every one of us. To sift us like wheat. He wants, in other words, he wants to find out what you're made up of. Are you full of faith or hot air? What part of what you're saying is faith and what part of what you're saying is mimicking somebody else? That's what he's saying. Simon, Satan had the desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat to, to, to separate the, the good from the coarse. Well now, Lord, 
if he's desired to have me, I think you should pray for me that a special anointing would come upon me that would ward off evil spirits. Well, now, Lord, if Satan desired to have me, I think that what you should do is provide me with a double portion, a double anointing. No, let's read on. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. What is faith? What is faith? How is faith released? What's faith all about? Is it something you can hold? Is it a physical something? Is it a physical weapon that we can use? You know, Jesus could have prayed for a multitude of things here. He could have said, Oh, Father, anoint my brother Peter here with a double portion. I mean, just go ahead and lavish the anointing. Just pour it out. Jesus knew, beloved, that the only way we'd be able to overcome this world is by our faith. 1 John 5, 4 says what? This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We need to have the anointing of God. We need to have the power of God. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost to overflowing and maintain that spirit-filled life. We need that. But the power is not effective. It will not be effectively working within our lives and through our lives apart from faith. It requires faith. Faith must be that which sets the power of God in motion. Faith is what does it. And that's why Jesus said, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. My prayer for you, Peter, and we're talking about Jesus. And if there's anybody we want praying for us in our time of trouble or need, Especially when you've just been told that Satan's coming and he's desired to have you. We better listen to what Jesus is saying because I've heard people say to me all the time, the devil's after me, the devil's after me, and they want you to pray whatever. But you know what? I have found this to be most effective. If it worked for Jesus there in the wilderness, it definitely will work for every one of us. He's our example. We're not going to overcome the devil a different way than what Jesus did, are we? We're not going to overcome the world any different way than what Jesus did, are we? This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So Jesus knew the value of Peter's faith. And he knew that should his faith fail, and what that word really means is it's to cease. It is that which pours forth, and it means to stop pouring forth. If your faith is stopped... It's shut down. It's no longer pouring forth. See? You'll be overcome. So I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith does not shut down. That you, your faith does not stop flowing. That your faith does not stop its operation. My prayer for you, Peter, is that you maintain a faith-filled life and your faith keep operating. That's what he was saying. That it's not shut down. Keep that switch of faith turned on, Peter. And I'm praying for you and for your faith to fail not. Because Jesus knew that his faith would enable him to overcome. 
Well, this being true, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10 and look at verse 8 with me. Then it's important that we not only maintain a spirit-filled life, we do not belittle the fact that the anointing of God can break the yoke of bondage. But the Bible does not say that the just shall live by the anointing. The Bible says the just shall live by what? By faith. Now, the anointing of God is within us. And through faith, we can release that power of God within our lives on a continual basis and maintain a victorious life. But very often, some get within their thinking that all I've got to do to be free is to, is to go to a service where the anointing of God is manifested and then thank God I'll be free at that time. But then maybe a couple of days later or a day later, all of a sudden they find themselves being defeated, maybe under oppression once again. And their life as a Christian is up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And they're wondering, why is it that I cannot maintain a victorious life? Well, beloved, we need to put things in their proper place and perspective. The Bible teaches that the just shall live by faith. It's important that our faith fail not. Because not only was Peter facing the same opposing forces, we likewise are facing the same opposing forces that Jesus, forces that Jesus faced that Adam faced back there in the garden and all other saints of God faced throughout their lifetimes. We're facing the same world system, the same darkness that's becoming darker and darker and darker, the same evil forces, sicknesses and diseases. All these forces of opposition are the same today as they were yesterday. There's nothing new under the sun. So you see, it's important that we know that and then begin to do what God wants us to do so that we can maintain a victorious life by, by what? By how? By what means or method? By developing a strong life of faith. And that's why Jesus said, Peter, I don't want your faith to fail. Don't let it stop flowing. Keep the switch of faith turned on so that you can maintain a victorious life. And it doesn't matter if Satan's coming. Or whatever opposing force comes your way, he won't have you. He'll not destroy you. See, beloved, it's our faith that enables us to overcome the world. That's why Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even your faith. It's our faith. That's why Jesus prayed for Peter's faith not to fail. Well, if that's the case, then we better learn some things about faith. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. Now, I know that you know these scriptures. But remember, God's word is not intellectually learned. God's word is spiritually discerned. God's word must be applied. We must be doers of the word of God. Otherwise, we have empty religion. That's the truth. We don't want to say we know what the Word says about this and we know what the Word says about that while we're sitting in bondage. What good does it do us to know what the Word says about something when the enemy is putting you in bondage? It doesn't do us any good. We've got to get to the place of tenacious faith. We've got to get to the place, I'm telling you this, where we get stirred up 
to holy anger on the inside and begin to proclaim enough is enough. You've had enough territory in my life. You've had enough influence over my marriage. You've had enough power over my body. I am no longer giving you access to my life, to my marriage, to my body, to my finances, whatever, to my mind. I refuse to give you any more place. What place did Jesus give the devil when he suggested all those things to his mind? None. How did he shut him off? How did he close his mouth? How did he get him to flee? The Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee. Did he pull out a grenade? He pulled out a nuclear bomb, bow and arrow. What did he do? No. He spoke faith-filled words and said, It is written. Three important words. It is written. He knew what was written and he proclaimed it. That's called the word of faith. The word of faith left his lips and left the devil defenseless. He had no recourse. He had to leave. He had to flee. Well, what about us? What about us? How do we use our faith to overcome? Romans 10, 8 says this. But what saith it? The word of faith is nigh thee. It's nice to know that the word of faith is close by. Even in thy heart and in thy mouth, that is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or the Lordship of Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now let's look at this verse 8 again. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. And in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Let's notice that the way that we made our break from the kingdom of darkness, from the power of spiritual death that was holding us in fearful bondage, the way we came out from the kingdom of darkness was by putting the word of faith in our hearts, in our mouths, and proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. The word of faith involves the heart of man. It involves his mouth. The words, his lips, speak. Here the Apostle Paul is revealing a principle, a divine law. It involves harmony between the heart of man and the mouth of man. His words, speaking Words of faith from his heart, through his lips. And that's exactly what he's saying here. If you will believe from your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and if you will proclaim him as Lord with your lips, then thou shalt be saved. Now, that's talking about making our initial break from the powers of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. There's no other way for that to be accomplished, beloved. 
There are those who think just by being baptized in water that can happen. There are those who think by having some kind of feeling where goosebumps are produced that that has happened in their lives. I've had those tell me, well, I just feel good about myself. And I would say, but are you born again? Are you a child of God? Well, I really feel good. Things are going good for me. Has nothing to do with the feeling. It doesn't matter how well things are going for any individual. It doesn't matter if they've been baptized in water. It doesn't matter what other type of religious experience they may have had in their lives that produced whatever, some kind of maybe even a false peace. Jesus said you must be born again. And the way one is born again is by believing from his heart and confessing with his mouth the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual act. It's by grace we are saved through the operation of faith. Faith involves the heart. Faith involves the mouth. Speaking forth words of faith did something. It gave access to God, to our spirits, God access to our spirits to recreate us. If that's how things were initiated in our lives spiritually, how do we think things continue? How do we think we grow and mature in the things of God? How much of the Word is a living reality, in other words, within our hearts? You know why? Because if it's in our hearts in abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaketh. And so we see here that the Word of Faith is really near us. It depends on what we do here inside us in here with our mouths. Now, I want to show us something. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 26. If we are going to grow in the things of God, if we are going to get to the place where we exercise our God-given dominion and authority that Jesus, of course, returned to us when He was raised up from the dead and said, Go in My name. I give you power and authority. That's what He's talking about then we are going to have to do something about reprogramming our hearts to believe right and our lips to speak right. And I'll show that to you in James 1.26. I'm going to read that from the Amplified Bible. I know sometimes we think that by teaching along these lines, we put people in, in, in a type of bondage to their words. But beloved... Let's let God's Word make that final determination. Not our own thinking. Verse 26 of James chapter 1 says this, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observant of the external duties of his faith, and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, futile, and barren. Now that's strong, isn't it? Those are strong words. In other words, all that we do for God as a religious service and duty can be in vain if we do nothing to bridle our tongue and allow our hearts to be deceived. And I would not want to think that the things that I have done and we have done for the Lord Jesus Christ here upon this earth can be in vain because we failed to do something with our hearts and with our mouths concerning the words that we speak and the things that we say. 
Let's look at another scripture in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 2. And this is from the Amplified Bible. For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if any man does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man and able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. Let's stop right there for a moment. He just said right here that a mark of spiritual maturity is the ability to say the right things. How many of us know, once again, that it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh? Which means if we're going to be saying right things, it's going to be because we have put some right things in our hearts in abundance. Isn't that true? The Scripture cannot be wrong. So it's obvious that if we'll put right things within our hearts in abundance, then out of the abundance of the heart, we'll be able to say the right things and speak the right things. He says you will develop, you'll mature in your character, and also you'll be able to control your body and curb your entire nature. Then he goes on to say, he gives an example. If we put bits in the horse's mouths to, to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. Likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Even so, the tongue is a little member and it can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a force a tiny spark can set ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the will of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell, Gehenna. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius, nature. But the human tongue can uh, be tamed by no man. It is an undisciplined, irreconcilable, restless evil full of death bringing poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father and with it we curse men who were made in the likeness or in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes for blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren, ought not so to be. Now, again, the point being this. We know that intellectually. We've heard that countless times. But what the Father is speaking to my heart by His Spirit right now is, it's not enough that we know that. It's not enough that we've read those Scriptures over and over again, and we've made reference to those Scriptures. If we want to have the kind of faith that does the things that Jesus did, and, beloved, Jesus said, the things that I do will you do also, didn't he? He talked about our faith. He talked about great faith and what it would do. He always looked at his disciples, his followers, and said, where is your faith? How is it you have no faith? He couldn't understand this. He implied that the things he did they could have done, but they didn't do it. They counted on him to do it. If we want to have that kind of mountain-moving faith, beloved, then the time has come for the people of God to become more serious in doing something about reprogramming our hearts and putting right words within our mouths. Because, you see, as long as we're going to be lackadaisical about it, 
then we're not going to grow and mature in the things of God. This is speaking about spiritual maturity. And beloved, I believe we can grow spiritually. See, that's how we gauge spiritual growth. Listen to somebody talk. You can find out where they're at spiritually. Did you know that? Listen to what they say. You know exactly where they're at or where they're not at spiritually. You can tell by what's being said. You want to know how well a person knows God? Just listen to what they say. You'll find out whether or not they really have an understanding of the Father heart of God. And whether or not they really know Him intimately. With the same tongue, he says, we bless God, the curse men. You want to find out what someone really knows about the things of God and being a Christian? Find out what they say about men. For we are to love one another as He loved us. And we can determine whether or not we are growing by what is proceeding out of our mouth. Now you say, oh, this sounds so serious. You want to hear something more serious? <laughs> Look at Matthew's Gospel. It gets better. I know, you'd rather me preach the weather tonight, right? The forecast. Is that what you'd rather hear tonight? What's going to be on the... What, what, you know, I didn't watch the 6 o'clock news, so I, you know, I can't preach what's on it. But maybe that's what we'd like to hear here tonight. Or we'd like to have uh, something that's going to be meat. That's something that's going to cause us to think and be motivated spiritually. Is that what we'd rather hear? Yes. Well, you're ready for it. You're going to get it. Did you bring your steel-toed shoes tonight? Every time I read this script, scripture, I cringe. It gets me where I hurt. What about you? It gets me where I live. I mean that. If it doesn't get you where you live, where you live, something's wrong. Or maybe you're more developed than I am. I don't know. My prayer would be that you are. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Everybody say, Jesus said. Jesus. See, it's all written in red. We're going to read everything written in red. That means Jesus said it. Verse 33. That took a lot, didn't it? Took a lot to understand that Jesus said it because it's written in red. Didn't have to go to school for that. Jesus said, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. Verse 34. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. You offspring of vipers. Ooh. Mm. How can you speak good things when you're evil and wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, and superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things. And the evil man, out of his inner evil storehouse, flings forth evil things. But I tell you, and this is the part that makes me cringe. This is the part that makes me shudder. Oh, I tell you on the day of judgment. How many of you know that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ? How many know that this is written in red? Not in the Amplified, in my King James it is, not my Amplified. I'm telling you, and if Jesus says, I'm telling you, did your mother ever point her finger at you and say, I'm telling you? Did she ever do that to you? And you knew she meant business. I mean, you knew that if she said, especially if, 
What is with Jason? It's like, Jason, Grady, Anzavino, I'm telling you, you get the Grady in there and look out, the hair standing up. You know what I'm talking about? He said, but I'm telling you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an oral discourse for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. Better than a band-aid over your mouth. Better than taping someone's mouth shut when you hear that. Every idle word, every inoperative word, every non-productive word I'm going to have to give account of on it. I'll tell you what, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. So wash, I'm telling you, if it were not for the blood of the Lamb... Can you imagine? I'm thankful to God that we're under the blood. And when we make mistakes like speaking wrong things, we can get you know, deliverance and freedom. And that, all that can be placed under the blood. But listen, we don't want to live our lives that way. We don't want to live our lives by 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And tomorrow we, we confess our sin. And in and, and the day and the next day and the next day, you know, just confessing and confessing and confessing. How many of you want to grow spiritually? Not just get more intellectual when it comes to the Bible. Not learn more facts and knowledge. I'm talking about grow spiritually. Let's face it, beloved. Unless we do something with this thing, this small, tiny thing inside here between our teeth. You know that thing I'm talking about? It's not going to happen. I said it's not going to happen. A man's spirituality is gauged or measured by the word that he speaks. You know why? Because out of the abundance of his heart is where all the activity takes place. He speaks. So man will give an account of every idle, non-productive, inoperative, non-working word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words you'll be condemned and sentenced. Notice he didn't say I will do any of it. He said, by your words. By your words. Did we really know, and do we really know and understand that our words are that important? See, this is not a type of bondage. I believe it's a, it should open up our eyes to really, really begin to understand how important our words really are. And not that we're trying to get into bondage anything. We're promoting spiritual growth and development. The easiest thing in the world is, is just to spread out, just say anything that, 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 you know, crosses your thinking. That's not the right thing to do. It takes a disciplined person to do something about controlling the things that he says and the things that he puts inside his heart. Now, I know it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy matter. You know why? Because we've tasted of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And you see what he's saying here? A good man because of the good deposits of his heart. An evil man because of the evil deposits of his heart. We're living in, in this realm of life and we have the knowledge of good and evil. And what's happening is we're getting all this input. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to be surrounded by doubt, unbelief, negativism, and, and all kinds of wickedness and evil thoughts and all that. Did you notice that? Did you notice that when you leave the church, it's easy to have all kinds of wrong thoughts come across your mind, your mental faculties and all kinds of evil things, that thoughts, you know, suggestions and ideas that are not really in line with the word of God and the love law. It happens because we're living in this realm of life. We've been exposed to good and evil. So he is saying here, look, the heart of man has got to be programmed right. It's got to be fed the right information. 
We've got to do something about feeding on the Word of God until the Word of God becomes a part of our heart life, our spirit life. It's not just learning the facts of knowledge. It's getting it down on the inside. That's why the psalmist continually said, quicken me according to your word. In other words, make your word a living reality within me. Make it alive within me. See, Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus was careful to think the right thoughts, to speak the right words. And when he did, he had it down pat. I mean, he knew all about it. He spoke words that men never heard. The wisdom that fell from his lips. I mean, they went there to arrest him and they heard him and said, We're dumbfounded. Never has a man spoken words like this before. Because he understood the value and the importance of his words. And he thought things through before he spoke words. And when he did, you rest assured, beloved, there was power in the words that he spoke. And the devil knew it. And when he said, it is written, that was all that was necessary. And then he quoted the scripture. The devil had to flee. And once again, we don't say this to put people in bondage. And we don't teach this for a scare tactic. But beloved, you know, we have to be reminded of this. How many of you know tonight you need to be, I need to be reminded of this, of these truths right here? We do. Because if we let these things slip, Matter of fact, I know in my heart right now because I just have some things inside me rolling around inside me and I know to speak them out and say it. Some things are happening in people's lives right now because they gave access to the enemy through wrong words that have been spoken. And not just once or twice, over a period of time, speaking words that cause a satanic stronghold to be developed. And now there is oppression there that's very difficult. You get relief sometimes from it through prayer and the anointing. But, you know, that anointing cannot be effective in doing what, what God wants it to do apart from faith activating it. And when you get away from that, from this place or from the place of prayer and you get back in that own environment, your own environment where you're getting all these negative thoughts, once again, that oppression you see is there. And it's, it's a result of speaking wrong words. How do you think the devil will get somebody to commit suicide? Well, your life's not worth anything. Who cares about you anyway? What value does your life have? You've been so messed up in your life. You've been on alcohol. You've been on drugs. You've done this. You've done that. You've committed adultery. Do you think God wants the likes of you? You've been to church. You heard the right message. You were told the right thing, but yet you did these things anyhow. Do you think God wants the likes of you? I'll go a step further. You've, made, you've committed the unpardonable sin anyhow. So what's the use of you even going back to church? What's the use of you trying to please God anymore? You might as well just hang it up and forget about it. Just go off, live, be married and happy. Just do what you want to do in this realm of life because you're not going to make it anyhow. You know, there have been many who have listened to lies like that come from the pit of hell. And their minds have been so dominated by the devil and demonic influence. Those words, you think death and life are not in the power of the tongue? The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you know who started speaking those words and giving voice to those words? The person. Well, my life's not worth anything anyhow. I've talked to them. I've talked to them in mental institutions. My life's not worth anything anyhow. I'm not any good to anybody anyhow. And they start speaking those words out. I'll just take my life. And who's adding fuel to the fire? 
The enemy is. You're right. You're not worth anything. Your life. And those words keep on going. And eventually they will affect that person in spirit. It'll open up the, the, the door to demonic activity. That's how many marriages are, have been destroyed. Marriage are destroyed the same way. Thoughts come in. Pictures painted by the enemy. And for the most part, things really not existing as we see those things. Walls being put up. How many of you know that words put up walls? Did you know that? That's how, not just this marriage, that's how some business relationships are destroyed. Friendships are destroyed with words. Ever hear somebody say, well, so-and-so said. Oh, did they? Words, what did those words do? Put up walls between people. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can be idle. Words can be non-productive. Words can be non-working. That is to our benefit and gain. They'll work in a negative way against us. But if they're going to work for us in a positive way, then we have got to put the Word of God within our hearts and the Word of God within our mouths and not just treat this book just as a religious something, something that we study when we go to church, something that's nice to read for inspiration. Beloved, this is a life-giving book. This book contains the Word of God and Jesus is my words that I speak. They are spirit and they are life. They are containers of spirit life. Words are containers of spirit life. And if we'll get a hold of that, and if we'll begin to do more about reprogramming, first deprogramming and then reprogramming ourselves within our innermost being, it'll change us. It'll revolutionize all. It'll give us a brand new language that will set the course of our lives for righteousness, for peace, for joy, for health, for holiness, for victory over temptation and over all the things that we face in this realm of life. But the thing is, we cannot take this lightly. This is what the life of faith is all about. Yes, it will require diligence. A word that sometimes we just ignore. But he said, you must be diligent when you come to seek, seek me. It requires diligence. Why? Because God is so demanding. Huh? Why has God made, us, made it this way? Is God so hard? Is God so difficult? Is God so demanding when it comes to our lives? Absolutely not. It is not God's fault that it's this way. Whose fault is it? Adam's. Let's take it up with him. Had he not introduced the kingdom of darkness, those words, those destructive words, those words that brought... Disharmony to the first husband and wife relationship. Those words that caused upheaval to every realm of life. Those words that separated man from God will have fallen to the earth without power. But they did not. They lost themselves within the heart and the mind of the woman and the man, Adam and Eve. Acted upon. They opened up the door to the kingdom of darkness and sin and death and destruction and everything else. That's represented in that kingdom. Well, beloved, heaven and earth are going to pass away. But my words, Jesus said, will not pass away. And you know what? We'll put the word of God within our hearts and within our mouths. We're going to have activity in our lives from the kingdom of God. We're going to have the power of God in operation. If we can believe the opposite, why can't we believe the truth? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You don't believe me. The devil tells you a lie. You believe him. 
think about that one. Those that are sad and they're countless, those who are, whose countless have fallen, those having all kinds of difficulties and problems, you talk to those people, you'll find out they believe the devil more than they believe God. It is easier to believe I'm no good because I feel no good. I can't pay my bills because I don't see the money. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. It's, they talk that way because the devil has given them all those thoughts. Just putting those thoughts in their mind and they just start believing them. The word of God comes along and says, yes, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ. The father himself loveth you. You are more value than many sparrows. You are special in the father's sight. And it's like falling on deaf ears. It doesn't hold as much weight as what the enemy is saying. Why? Because it caters to our emotions and our feelings. That's why. That's why. And many will walk around with a sad countenance because they're listening and listening and listening until a stronghold is developed. But beloved, I believe that it's time to make that break. I believe it's time to make a serious dedication of our hearts, of our mouths, I believe it's time for the people of God to rise up and begin to recognize the battle and the warfare that we are in. And I believe it's time for us to take our place and put the word of faith within our hearts and put the word of faith within our mouths and proclaim the truth of God's word and do not stop proclaiming it until it becomes a reality within our lives. And proclaim it and proclaim it, recognizing what we're doing. In Mark 4, we have instruction as to how it's done. He tells us exactly what to do. Do we have a moment to turn there real quick? Real quick. Mark chapter 4. We'll close it right here. Mark chapter 4, 26. So is the kingdom of God. This is how it operates within the heart of a man. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. It works on the principle of seed time and harvest. He should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring up and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First a blade, then the ear. After that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, it putteth forth the sickle because the harvest has come. And what he's saying is this. It works on the principle of seed time and harvest. The seed must be planted. There is a planting season which involves preparation and planting. And there is also a, a, a reaping season, the harvest. Which involves what? The growing time and then the ripening time. And then there is that harvest. Which means we reap the rewards of our efforts. When you pick that fruit, there is the reward of your effort. He's talking about the fruit. He said, make the tree good and the fruit good. We are feeding on the tree of life. Our spirit man, he's talking about, make your man on the inside good by putting good deposits. As a, as a sower, sow the seed of the word of God by day and night. By day and night. See, it works on the principle of seed time and harvest. Spiritual truths work that way. The operation of the kingdom of God works that way. It's the principle upon which the kingdom of God is founded. We sow the word of God into our hearts. It does not happen instantaneously. Thank God for miraculous occurrences that take place instantaneously, but sometimes, beloved, they are a detriment to people's faith because they want it that way all the time. All the time, every single time. They have a miracle. They want it immediately to take place. 
instead of going to the Word of God, recognizing this truth. It's, it works on the principle of seed time and harvest. We must sow the seed by day and night. Say it by day. Say it by night. Say it by day. Say it by night. Sow the seed of the Word of God until the heart, until what? Until the, the action begins to take place. Just as the heart, the soil, the heart, soil begins to bring forth first a blade. And then it begins to grow and develop and mature until what? The, the ripened fruit. It is a process. There is a period of time. And within that period of time, the enemy will come to sow all kinds of thorns and thistles to choke out the word, to see to it that you don't believe it or so that we're distracted from it so that it's non-productive within our lives. But beloved, if we will be diligent and if we will do what he said do, then our spirit man slowly but surely will begin to respond. The word of God will begin to, to take root within our hearts, within our lives. We'll water it with good teaching and the anointed teaching of the Holy Ghost. We'll continue to sit in his presence and the anointing of God will quicken that word within our hearts. We'll recognize and realize the need to put that word of God within our, on our lips. On our, on our mouths and speak it over and over and over and over again to our hearts so our heart can be reprogrammed properly. And then all of a sudden, we'll begin to reap the fruit of our efforts and labors. The Word will then go forth in power. It'll go forth in might. It will accomplish the purpose of the will of God. Things will begin to happen. Beloved, do, you, do we think that, that these powerful, dynamic things that God has provided are going to just be things that He would just give us to destroy things with? No! It's going to take... Our our diligent effort is going to take us proving to him that we are responsible people to use this kind of awesome power. And that's what he wants to see and wants to know. But the whole point is this. It's because of the fall of mankind that we've got to do it this way. Can you imagine being alive like Adam and never having a thought of evil? And no rebellion from your flesh? Can you imagine that? And nothing to distract you from what God said? And just be used to saying something and it would happen? That's how it was. Well, beloved, we're being reprogrammed the right way. We're going to talk about this in, in future lessons. And we're going to begin to get more serious, dig more deep, d- deeper into it and get more diligence, you know, in our lives. And we'll see to it that things around us begin to happen because we're not slothful. But we are followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Amen. Faith and patience. And you know what our prayer is tonight? That our faith fail not. Amen. Hallelujah, that our faith fail not. Thank God that our faith fell not. Our faith will do great and mighty things. Our faith is in God. Almighty. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.